Thank you, Katie, and also Marie. So turn your Bibles again to 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Chronicles. <laughs> 1 Chronicles, you would please. In the Old Testament. We'll continue our study on life changing biblical principles. These are truths that will literally change your life if you apply them. Now, chances are some of these truths are not new to you. Many of you know them, understand them quite well. The question is not, well, how well you do you understand them, but how much have you applied them? Have you applied them to your life? Do, you, do they affect your everyday decisions you make in your everyday life? And I encourage you to, to focus on that this morning. Um, our focus, again, is part two. We're looking at the principle of ownership. The principle of ownership that God owns all things. In the context of the scripture we read together, David is gathering together material to build the temple. David loved the Lord. He, the Bible, in fact, he says he's a man after God's own heart. And he desired God's blessings. He desired God's presence with his people. So he was gathering together material to build a temple, a place that God could dwell in, in, in the midst of his people. Now, God did not allow him to do that because he was a man of war. Though he gathered the material, his son Solomon actually built the temple. But David is doing this. All amidst this verses we read, you're going to see the principle of ownership. That all the stuff David gathered together, David said, Lord, you provided, and also it belongs to you. Look at it with me, please, a few of these verses. Look in verse 11. If you don't mind underlining this, you're going to see the biblical principle of ownership here. In verse 11, David said, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and the earth is what? Thine. He acknowledged that it belonged to God. God was the owner. Look in verse 16, please. The very last verse, O Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thy holy name cometh of thy hand and is what? All thine own. So David acknowledges this principle of ownership. So we'd like to look at that this morning for our lives. Three things this morning. I hope you take out your insert in your bulletin to take notes with. The blanks on your sheet will be you'll see as underlined words on the screen there. First of all, we're going to see clearly that God is the owner. God is the owner. We saw last week, number one, that he owns us. If you know Christ as Savior, if you're a believer, the Bible says you belong to God. We looked at verses, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, that will be on the screen there. We covered this in detail last Sunday. And here Paul's asking these believers something they may not have understood because of the lifestyle they were living. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have a God? And he says, ye are what? Ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So basically, he's saying, if you're saved, you are not your own. You belong to God. You are a purchased possession, purchased by the precious blood of Christ, and he owns us. But let's expand on that. He not only owns us, the Bible says he owns all that we possess, everything we have actually belongs to God. Everything we have, first of all, comes from the Lord. Everything we have comes from the Lord. Look, if you would please, in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 13, 
He said, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. He said, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort for all things, what? Come of thee. In other words, everything you have has come from the Lord. He provided them for you. In verse 16, again, he says this. He says, O Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for the holy name, and thy name cometh of thy hand. So David is acknowledging as he prepared all the materials to build a temple, Lord, everything we have, you provided. But not only did he provide it, the scripture says everything we have not only uh, comes from the Lord, it actually also belongs to the Lord. It belongs to everything we give to him is his already. It comes from God and is his already. Sometimes we think higher of ourselves we ought to give credit to. We say, Lord, look how wonderful I am that I give you my money. But the final friend, it is not your money. In fact, David said, when I give you something, God, it's yours already. I'm giving you something that belongs to you. In fact, look in verse 14, please. First Chronicles 29. We saw everything we have comes from God. Anything we give to God is his already. The latter part of verse 14, it says, of thine own have we given thee. Verse 16. The latter part of it says, uh, we prepared to build thee a house of thy holy name. Cometh of thy hand is thine own. So basically what he's saying is, God owns us. And all that we possess, he owns. Let's expand that further. He not only owns us and what we possess, he owns everything. He owns everything in this earth. Heaven and earth belong to the Lord. And in fact, if you would please turn to me to the book of Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy, keep your finger in Chronicles there. Deuteronomy chapter 10, page 297. God owns us. He owns all that we possess. In fact, he owns everything. We're talking about this biblical principle of ownership. It all belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14, please. A good verse to underline in your Bible is Deuteronomy 10, 14. And I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, please use one there in front of you for the service. Deuteronomy 10, 14, he says, Behold... The heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also, and with all that is therein is. Basically, David said, it all belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. And this is uh, Moses speaking. Everything we have belongs to God. In fact, everything on this earth belongs to the Lord. Now, back in First Chronicles 29, 11, he said, for all that is in heaven and the earth is thine. David said in Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world, and they that dwell therein. So look up here, please. Number one, the Lord's the owner. If you're saved, he owns you. If you possess anything, that belongs to him. In fact, everything in this heaven and earth is God's. It's all his. So that principle of ownership, he's the owner of everything. God is the owner. Number two, number two, because he owns everything, the Bible says we are his stewards. That's a biblical word for manager of overseer. 
because everything I have belongs to God. I'm just a manager of his possessions, an overseer of what he's entrusted to me. And two things about being a manager, an overseer, or a steward. First of all, as stewards, we are to be faithful. We'll be faithful. And using what we have that he's entrusted to us for his honor and his glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So I'm a manager of God's possession. Okay, everything I have is his. And I'm to be faithful to use it as he instructs, as he dictates in his word. God's given us instruction what to do with his possessions. And I'm to be found faithful in doing that for him. In fact, Matthew 24, 45 is a parable where Christ says, Who then is a faithful and wise steward whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? So basically, as a steward, I'm to be faithful, but also as a steward, we are accountable. We are accountable. One day, as a Christian, you will stand before the Lord and give an account of what you've done with his possessions. In Luke 16, here's a parable that teaches this truth. He said, and he called, called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear uh, this of thee, give an account of thy stewardship? That's a phrase, Christian, you will hear one day from the Lord. When you stand before God at the judgment seat, he's going to tell you, give an account of your stewardship. So I will give an account to God of what I've done with his possessions. You would too. He will say to you, Christian, give an account of your stewardship. You will give an account to God of what you have done with his possessions. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, let's go over that again. First of all, my friend, God's the owner. He owns you. He owns all that you possess. In fact, he owns everything. Because he's the owner of what I possess, the Bible says, I am a steward of his possessions. You are a manager of overseer what he's entrusted to you. What you have, Christian, is not yours. It belongs to God. And you are instructed in his word to do certain things with his possessions. And the Bible says you ought to be faithful in doing it as he dictates in his word. And one day you'll give an account of that. You'll stand before God, your Savior, and he's going to say to you, Christian, give an account of your stewardship. Hopefully you can do it with joy and knowing you honored him with it. Some of us will be ashamed because we used it for our own uh, use, our own pleasure. Number three. Number three. Number one, God is the owner. Number two, we're stewards. Number three, I like this one. There are blessings for those who honor their owner. There are blessings for those who honor the owner. If I seek to honor God with the possessions he entrusted to me, God promises to bless me. Go with me, would please, to Proverbs chapter 3, please. Proverbs 3, page 931. God's the owner. We're his stewards. And now we're going to see their blessings for the stewards who honor God with his substance. God promises blessings to you if you honor him with possessions he's entrusted to you. Proverbs 3. Notice what's the very first word. Chapter 3, verse 9. 
Page 931, if you're using a church Bible, the first word says what? Honor who? The Lord. That's the owner. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Basically, we're saying here, of all the stuff God's given me, all the substance I have, God tells me as his steward over his possessions, I'm to honor him with that. Honor the Lord, the owner, with thy substance. And notice the results. He says, so, verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That doesn't necessarily mean your bank account's going to increase. Doesn't mean that you're going to have more stuff in your barns. Basically, what it has the idea of is just blessings. It may be spiritual blessings, maybe blessings with health, but basically it's blessings. However, God sees fit to bless you, he said he would do so. So as a Christian, if I honor God with the substance he's entrusted to me, God says he will bless me. Honor the Lord with your substance is a way of expressing gratitude for his provision. In return, God promises to bless you. This blessing is mentioned throughout the Bible. It's not just found in one or two verses. Throughout God's word, there are promises of God's blessings to those who honor him with your substance. God blesses those, first of all, who give. In Deuteronomy 15, listen to this verse. I believe it will be on the screen. This verse, God's instructing his people to help out a brother in need. If you know someone that's a brother that's poor and has a need, God tells us to those that have that to help. And God blesses us if we do so. Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, he says, Thou shalt surely give him, to about the poor, and thy heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. In other words, when God says, he commands you, help out a brother in need. When you do so, don't be upset over it, because you have to give something that belongs to you to a brother in need. God said, I'll bless you. Look what he says. He says, Thou shalt surely give him, Thy heart shall not be grieved when thou givest to him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thy hand to do. My goodness. God says, if I honor him, he's going to bless me. In fact, I can honor him by giving to a brother and sister that has a need physically or financially. If I have the means to do so, if I give, God says I'm, he's going to bless me in all my works. Everything I put in my hand to do, he's going to bless me. You know what that means? You cannot outgive God. Many of you know that personally. Some of you do not. Whatever you give to God, his blessing is going to be far more than what you give. Go with me now to the book of Malachi, please. Malachi. You say, Pastor, where in the world is that? It's the last book of your Old Testament right before Matthew, the first book of your New Testament. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Again, the last book of the Old Testament. When you find that, look here, please. Malachi chapter 3. Here's a verse that's not necessarily written to us today. It's written to the Jew. However, it carries the promise of blessing to those who give. We saw that God promised the blessing in the first part of the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. We saw it in the middle part of the Old Testament, the book of uh, Proverbs. Now we're going to see it at the very last book of the Old Testament. God promises uh, 
to bless those who give. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, please. He says to his people, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. But what is a tithe, by the way? A tithe is 10% of your income. Now, there's a lot of difference of opinion on tithing today. Some people say you don't tithe today because tithing is under the law. And if you preach tithing, you're putting people back under the law. That is not true. Now, they did tithe under the law. But God's people tithed before the law was ever given. Abraham tithed. He gave 10% to Melchizedek. Jacob tithed. The Bible said he gave 10% of all that he had to God. He didn't know the law. This is before the law was ever given. So they tithed before the law. They tithed under the law. And the New Testament, though it never says not to give, though we're going to talk about giving uh, to the Lord. And I believe tithing is still for today. But it says here, bring ye all tithes to the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. And notice here, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that shall not be enough room to receive it. Wow. God's blessing is so much more than we do. He, you cannot outgive God. Now listen, please. People say, oh, Pastor, that's not for us today. This principle here is for us today. In Romans 15, verse 4, listen to this verse. Paul said this concerning the Old Testament. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Though that verse is not written to me personally. As you say, it's not written to me, but it's written for me. There's a blessing in Deuteronomy, a blessing in Proverbs, a blessing in Malachi. The blessing is this, that God blesses those who give. Though we may not can claim that personally, though it's not written to me, you know what, my friend, it's written for me. And what it means here, that when I give to God, God's going to bless me. That's in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament. Let me show you this. Luke chapter 6, it's on the screen. Look what it says. Jesus is speaking here. What's the first word there? Give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? Running over. Wow. Again, it's saying you cannot outgive God. It's in the Old Testament and the Gospels, but also it's in the epistles. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, page 1631. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What I'm trying to show you that this principle of God's blessing upon those who give is throughout all the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look in verse 7. 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And there's certain words in here, again, it expresses that you cannot outgive God. Verse 7, it said, Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him what? Give. Read on. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and... God is able to make all grace abound toward you. The word grace is not spiritual grace. It's talking about physical provision. He's able to make all grace abound toward you. It says that ye, those of you that give, always have all sufficiency in what? All things may abound to every good work. Basically, what he's saying here, 
if I give to the Lord, he's going to see to it that I have all I need and so much more I can give to others who have need. That's what he's saying. They have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Look in verse 10. Notice the words that you cannot outgive God. Verse 10. Now he, that's talking about God, that ministereth seed to the sower, that's you that he give. It said, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Wow. He will minister to my needs. He'll multiply the seed that I sow and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And verse 11, being enriched in everything of all bountifulness. Again, my friend, you cannot outgive God. And so basically what he's saying here, as God's steward of his possessions, there are blessings God bestows upon me when I honor him with what belongs to him. And when I give to him of the things he's given to me, God's going to bless me. Now, let me give you some areas in which you can honor God. Some areas which you can honor God. And look up here, please, before we go any further. Let me backtrack a little bit so you understand what I'm talking about. We're talking about the principle of ownership. First of all, God is the owner. What does he own? He owns us. He owns all that we possess. In fact, he owns everything. And the Bible says because of that, you are his steward. You are a manager of his possessions. As a manager, what does God require of me? That I'm faithful. I'm faithful to do with what he instructs me to do with his possessions. And because of that also, I'm accountable. One day, you'll stand before God Almighty, and you'll give an account what you did with his possessions. Give an account of thy stewardship. You hear that? We also found out, for those who honor the owner, God promises blessings. I like that, don't you? God promises blessings. We see that throughout all the Bible. Both the Old and New Testament, God blesses you, and you cannot outgive God. He blesses you so much. So let me give you three areas in which you can do that. Hope you write them down. Three areas in which you can honor God with your possessions. First of all, honor God with your material possessions. Honor God with your physical, your material possessions. We saw from the book of Chronicles, first of all, all our possessions come from God. They're given to us, provided for us by God himself. First Chronicles 29, 12, both riches and honor come of thee. And here's how we honor him with those possessions. We saw that in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with uh, first fruits of all thine increase. Can I give you a testimony to my shame? In my, in my early 20s, when I was single, I had a job. I worked for a telephone company and made p- pretty good money back then. But I used all my money on myself. I was saved. I was going to heaven. I trusted Christ. But when I got my paycheck, I got paid twice a month. I took that money. First of all, I used it to meet my needs, then work on my wants. But I rarely gave anything to God. And when I did, in fact, I attended, this is the church I went at. I was in this church since 1968. Not as pastor, that time I was a church member like you. I sat in the pew and they passed the plate. 
And occasionally I'd take my wallet out. If I had any money left, I'd give it to God. I didn't give him my first fruits. I gave him my last fruits or my leftover fruits. You know what the problem is? Many of you do the same thing. After you take care of your needs and work on your wants, if anything's left, we, we bless God with it. My friend, does that honor God? No. We focus on ourselves. Basically, we put God on the back burner and we put our own needs on the front burner. Sad to say, so many Christians like that today. And God says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. So what are the fruits? The byproducts of your labors. And the first fruits, basically, a farmer knew that when he planted a crop and he took of the harvest, the very first pickings of that crop he gave to God. That was his way of acknowledging God, provided it, and that belonged to God. He gave God the first fruits, and the second pickings belonged to him. You know, now uh, what I do when, my, when, my, uh, when I get my paycheck, I get paid twice a month. The first thing we do, we set apart God's. Before we pay any bills, before we work on any wants, we give God his part. We tithe our income, and then we give over and above that to faith promise. But we give God the first fruits. My friend, God has blessed us so much. He's blessed us so much. All that we have, you know, I've always wanted many things that God provided. I wanted a beautiful wife, and God gave that to me. <laughs> I wanted children that were healthy and grow up and serve the Lord. God did that for me. I wanted a beautiful house, a nice place to live. God provided that for me. I, all the things I ever wanted and needed, God's provided. And there's the blessings from God for those who honor him. By the way, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. The Lord can give, but you know what he also can do? He can take away. It's his. I'm the, basically, I'm responsible to use it for honor and glory. So the first way you can honor God is with your substance, with the things, the material possession. Let me give you another way you can honor God. The second thing, not only with your possessions, but with your time. With your time. Our time on earth is short. How many realize that? Very, very short. And when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. But as you get older, you look back and say, boy, where did time go? And James chapter 4, verse 14 says, our life is but a vapor. It says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth a little time and then vanishes away. You say, Pastor, a person may live 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years. That's not a short. Compare that to eternity. What is 60, 70 years compared to eternity? It's like a grain of sand to the whole beach. It's very brief. And basically, because your time is short, you need to do it, spend it wisely. Interesting, if you're a young person here today, I encourage you to read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It says, remember the days, uh, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Don't wait till you're old and your body's wore out and you can't do anything. Serve the Lord now. Give God of your time now. So our life on earth is short, but we should use it wisely. Look over in Ephesians, please, chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Page 1649, we're talking about honoring God with our time. How much time do you give to the Lord? 
So many of us, we give Sunday mornings, and that's about it. We don't give him much other time. But you got to realize your time is what? His time. Your life is, belongs to him. And you ought to use much of it for him. Because one day you'll give an account what you did with your possessions and also you did with your time. Ephesians chapter 5, look with me in verse 15, please. In verse 15, speaking to Christian, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word walk means conduct yourself, live your life, and do it circumspectly. That means accurately, precisely, with great care. In other words, you ought to be very careful what you do with your time and walk circumspectly. Why? It says, verse 16, redeeming the time for the days of evil. Now, what does the word redeeming mean? The word redeem means to buy or purchase. Basically, what it's saying here, buy up every time you have and use it for the Lord. Some of you have a little extra spare time, use it for the Lord. And if you don't have spare time, make time. Use it for the Lord. He said, verse 17, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You ought to find out what God's will for your life is and use it for him. God has a plan and will for your life, and it says you ought to understand what it is and use it for him. Psalm 90, verse 12 says this. He, David says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. What does it mean, number your days? It means evaluate the use of time in the light of the brevity of life. Realize your time on earth is very short. And therefore, number them. Because they're short, I need to make sure I'm taking time and spend it for the Lord. Honor God with your possessions. Honor God with your time. And lastly, honor God with your abilities. Honor God with your abilities. Do you realize your strength, your abilities, your talents come from God also? Go with me now to Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy. I know you just found Ephesians. <laughs> Go with me to Deuteronomy, please. The fifth book of your Bible, page 293. Deuteronomy. Chapter 8. Here it tells us that the abilities, the talents... The gifts we have were given to us by God. Deuteronomy 8. In fact, verse 18, I believe the verse will be on the screen. Then I want to back up to verse 1. Moses said, chapter, three, chapter 8, verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power, that means abilities, to get what? Wealth. So, even the abilities you have to obtain possessions, God gave that to you. God gave you the ability. He gave you the possessions. It all belongs to him. But why does God say remember? Back up in chapter 8, verse 1. Look what it says here. Verse 1, God said to his people, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in the, and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. But verse 2, and thou shalt what? Remember. Why does God say remember? Because we have a tendency to forget and also to take the credit. 
Look what he said in verse 2 again. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God had led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Verse 11, he said, Beware that thou forget not the Lord. Verse 12, Lest when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thy hast is multiplied, verse 14, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou, what? Forget. Do you know, blessings are great, but there is a danger when you're blessed. He said, when you begin and have a nice house, and you, and you have money, and you have all these possessions, be careful. Because you have a tendency to forget and say, look what I provided. Look what I've done. Look all the things my, I've provided. And God says, no. Even the strength to get them, God said, I gave to you. Those possessions, I gave to you. And don't forget I've done that. And then he says in verse 14 again, then thy heart be lifted up. And now forget the Lord thy God, verse 15, who led thee, verse 16, who fed thee, verse 17. And now say in thy heart, my power and, my, and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth, verse 18. And thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So in the midst of all the blessings, maybe God's blessed you and you have a nice home. Maybe you have a good job. Maybe you have finances in the bank. My friend, amidst all that, it's easy to forget the Lord. Or take the credit, look what I've done. That's what the unsaved says. But you need to realize your possessions belong to the Lord. Even the ingenuity, even the intelligence, even the ability to gather them, God gave to you. So Christian, do you honor God with your possessions? Do you tithe your income? Do you honor God with your time? How much time do you give to God? Do you honor him with your abilities? Many of you have abilities, and you, want, uh, you ought to use them for the Lord. Some of you men have ability to fix things, do things. Why not use it for the Lord? Why not talk to Pastor Nichols and say, what can I do around the church? He'll give you a lot to do. <laughs> you say, uh, maybe ladies can do things secretary-wise. Why not go to the church office or the school office and volunteer time? What can I do to help? There's plenty to do. Give of your time. Give of your talent. Give you the treasure to the Lord. God will bless you. So we're talking about the principle of ownership. Let's recover it again, and we'll close. First of all, God's the owner. What does he own? He owns us. He owns all that we possess. He owns everything. And because of that, the Bible says we as his people, we are stewards. We are a place of management oversight of his possessions. We are to be faithful to use it according to his word. And one day we'll be accountable what we do with that. Even amidst all that, there's blessings for those who honor the owner. And my friend, when you give to God, you cannot outgive him. He'll bless you so much more than what you give to him. And so I encourage you to use your time, your talent, and your treasure for the Lord. He will bless you. 
So how should I respond to this, Pastor? Now, go ahead and close your Bibles, please. More close. What impact should this have upon my life? Now, again, you say, Pastor, this is nothing new to me. I already know all this. That's wonderful. But does it influence your decisions you make in life? Does it affect the things you do with the possessions you have? So many of us have a head full of knowledge, but a very little life that honors the Lord. And I want to encourage you, this is a life-changing principle if you will apply it. And you'll be blessed of God for doing so. So basically, how should I respond? Acknowledge God as the owner. Acknowledge, first of all, that he owns you. He owns your possessions. He owns everything. And literally, according to the Bible, you are a manager of his possessions. And the Bible says you are to be faithful and honor him with those possessions. And one day you'll stand before God and give an account of what you did with his possessions. If you do, he has blessings for you. Those blessings are promised throughout all the Bible. For those who give, he will bless you abundantly over and above what you ever do for him. So let me ask you to close with this. As a Christian, how should I respond? I want to give my life to the Lord. Lock, stock, and barrel, I want to give myself to you. Have you ever given your life to the Lord? I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation comes not because I give my life to him. Salvation comes because he gave his life for me. You need to understand that. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself of peculiar people, zealous of good works. So listen, please. I'm going to heaven, not because I gave myself to him, but because he gave his life for me. But out of gratitude of what he gave for me, now as a Christian, I should give myself to him. We saw that last week in the book of Romans. Present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. So Christian... Have you ever done that before? Has there been a time in your life that you acknowledge Christ, your Savior, as your owner? And say, Lord, I want to come back to you for all, because of all you've done for me and give myself to you. Have you done that? Some of you have. Maybe most of you have. Maybe you need to renew that today. Give yourself a fresh renew. Maybe you got away from it. The Lord's been on the back burner in your life, not on the front burner. Why not give yourself fresh and new? But if you're here today and you, and you are saved and have never given your life, there's no better time to do it. Acknowledge these truths. We're going to close in prayer in a moment. When I write where you at, say, Lord, I acknowledge everything I have is yours. In fact, I belong to you. And you've been so good to me. You provided my needs. In fact, you've provided, you've provided many of my wants. <laughs> But Lord, I want to show gratitude. I want to give myself and live for you. But if you're here today and you never trusted Christ as Savior, please listen to this. We can go to heaven, spend eternity with God, not because we give anything to him, but because he gave his life for us. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Uh, God and Son, Christ. So basically, to go to heaven... It's not me giving, it's me receiving. But to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. So when you receive Christ as Savior, heaven becomes your home. 
But if you've done that, there's no better way to say thank you and now come back to him and say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Christian, the message today was for you. And we're looking at the biblical principle of ownership. Basically, God's the owner. We're his stewards. And we're to honor him with everything he's given to us. To use it for his honor and glory. With our time, our talent, and our treasure. Honor him with that. And he will bless you for doing so. But because of all he's done for you, Christian, has there ever been a time in your life that you gave yourself to him? That out of gratitude for what he's done for you, go back to him and say, Lord, I want to give my life for you. I want to live for you. I want to honor you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to give myself to you. If you have never done that before, why not do it today? Why not right where you're at, right where you sit, as a Christian, talk to God and say, God, I acknowledge everything I have is yours. I'm yours. And because of all your goodness and blessings to me, I want to give my life and live it for you. I want to honor you with my time and talent and treasure. Why not do that right now, Christian? Maybe you've done that in the past, and maybe you've got away from it. Why not do it fresh and anew? Right where you're at, talk to him. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ to be your Savior. You never understood what he's done for you that you might go to heaven. My friend, the Bible says we're all sinners. As sinners, we all owe a penalty. But the good news is Christ paid the penalty for us. The wages of sin is death. And what did Christ do on the cross? He died. Who did he die for? You. He died in your place to pay for your sin. He was buried and he rose again. And he offers you eternal life, forgiveness, free. At his expense, your part is to receive him as the one who died for you to take you to heaven. Going to heaven is not obtained by trying, but by trusting. It's not gained by doing, but resting upon that which Christ has done. And right now, you can rest upon him, trust him to be your savior, and heaven will be your home. If you've never done that before, why not do it right now? Why not put your trust in Christ to be your savior? Say, so how do I do that, Pastor? Why not talk to God in your own thoughts? Maybe say something like this. Say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge and I admit that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned. I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe Jesus, your son, was punished in my place. The judgment that I deserve, Christ took upon himself. And while hanging on the cross, they're dying for me. He paid for my sin. He died for me. He was buried and he rose again. And right here today, I'm trusting Christ to be my savior. I'm trusting him to forgive me and to give me eternal life. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. My friend, if you did that today, heaven's your home. God saves you the moment you do that. If you did that today, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to include you in my closing prayer, which I'm going to close in one moment. So if what I say made sense to you, and you prayed to receive Christ to be your Savior, 
Would you simply write where you're at with heads bowed and eyes closed? Simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. Or at all? Pastor, here's my hand. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? Dear Father in heaven, I hope that means each one here has already made the decision to trust Christ. And if so, I hope they will understand this principle of ownership. That everything they have, even themselves, belong to you. And it's our responsibility to honor you with all that you've entrusted to us. So I pray, Father, this would be a truth that we maybe have learned for the first time, have already known, that we allow it to affect our everyday decisions and impact our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.